0: Would y'all join me in praying together? Lord, I I do pray that my heart and our hearts would sing, uh, would sing out in our life uh, a love for Jesus. I do pray that. I really pray that. uh, Not as some uh, perfunctory prayer, but uh, as a life-lived reality that, that, that we would go and walk and work and be with loved ones and family and deal with relationships out of a love for Christ Uh, and that everything that we do would flow from that love. And it begins by knowing how much you love us, that you seek us, you save us in Jesus, you seal us by the power of your Holy Spirit. So let us know that. And I know you're, you're always trying to to show it to us, and often life or our own hearts just, just block block the vision that you want us to see. Open our eyes, open our hearts to see it, to know it, to live it. In the name of our Lord and Savior, amen. Thank you all. You can have a seat. And uh, if you would, take a Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, before we, uh, we go into... God's word. A couple of things that I would like to say. Um, first, it's been a joyous week. It's been a joyous week for me. Uh, I don't uh, know about y'all, but but literally, like last weekend, last Easter Sunday, uh, overflowed uh, into my week. I mean, just you—you kind of keep that Easter high. Anybody with me on that? Anybody? A few, okay. I, I, maybe I'm just different then. I mean, any believers like Easter flow into the next week. Come on, show of hands. Anybody? Okay, a couple. Thank you. Uh, if you if it doesn't, man, then uh, then we want it too. Now, uh, also, it was a joyous week because uh, uh, it's been my honor to uh, coach uh, my son in uh, baseball, and uh, no no bad stories. Uh, staff. Uh, But seeing these uh, young men uh, grow in their abilities, I mean, I just love uh, watching them, and I love uh, uh, coaching them, and and just just love seeing them play the great game, in my opinion, the greatest game of baseball, and uh, I love that. Also, I love baseball, but I also happen to be just a sports fan in general. So I think this past week, one of the best weeks uh, for sports fans. Uh, Baseball season uh, is back. All is right with the world, I like to say. Then you have uh, a great Final Four or a final game, um, depending on you know, who you wanted to win or not. But it was a great game. Uh, and then you have the Masters. Uh, so, I mean, it's just like, man, I am, I am locked in uh, loving life uh, like some of you, not all of you. I mean, I see the hand of God uh, in sports. So we, can, we can talk about that, debate that, but I, I, I love it. So, you, you get where I'm going. It has also been a very sad week. Very sad week in that, uh, you know, two uh, people uh, very connected in the life of this church family uh, passed away, uh, affected many uh, in our, our church family. And uh, people mourned and are mourning uh, and will uh, mourn. Uh, so it's been a sad, it's been a sad week. And, you know, three things came to my mind yesterday uh, as I was thinking through this sermon You know, thinking about Easter, and at least, you know, for me and and other believers I know, I mean, Easter does uh, shape your life, and it should shape your life. And, you know, it doesn't often because of kind of what we think about church or what I talk about, you know, we're, we're inoculated by Bible Belt Christianity and say, oh, well, you know, we should do this or we should go to church or I should rise with God or I should read my Bible and it should, should, do, do. And it doesn't flow out of just a love for Jesus. So I was thinking about that and Easter and thinking about trials uh, and suffering and sorrow. And I was thinking, you know, how do we make sense of this? You know, how, do, how do we make sense of it? And three things came to mind. And one is the, uh, is, is the young lady uh, who lost her, uh, her battle with cancer, but won the victory of life um, in Christ and with Christ now and, and in glory. But I thought about cancer in and of itself that, uh, you know, as, as mighty as we are, or as mighty as we think we are, uh, cancer is a very humbling deal, you know, um, it's it just humbles. Like, we realize that we really don't have as much control as we'd like to think we do when that hits and when we see that happen in a life, in a family. That's the first thing, just cancer. Second thing that impacted me, so I, I go to this, um, this young lady's funeral and I see a buddy of mine, great guy, uh, love this dude, um, jock, athlete. Very humble, big guy. Played softball with him. I see him. I sit down with him, and I didn't realize. Come up to him. He's just like he's like weeping. He's like he's like just just weeping. Uh, I mean, he can't you know just shaking. And see, this guy uh, has had cancer as well, and he survived or, or he he beat it. And I said, "Man, you okay?" And and he's like, you know, just it just hits me. You know, I'm just it's overcome and. um you know, he didn't say this, so it's a presumption, but believing that, you know, he's, he's humbled by this and, and, and knowing, you know, what could happen uh, to him. Just, just humbled by um, the things of, of life that uh, you can't control. The third thing that came to my mind my wife and I were talking about this, uh, so I do give her credit, but uh, I was thinking about Honduras. Uh, if, if you're visiting today, we have a, a, a very big ministry in and to the nation of Honduras, and we're sending, uh, right now, 51 folks, praise God, 51. Uh, the majority, I mean, I would probably say, you know, 40 to 45, I mean, Bellwether members and then extended family going to Honduras in July. And, you know, so I think about it, why do, why do so many people go to Honduras? I mean, we emphasize it, obviously. But uh, but but one of the big reasons I believe people go is is we see people down there who... Who really have no hope? I mean, who have, you know, little to no hope, physical needs, uh, sometimes emotional, psychological. I mean, it's just, you know, pretty barren in a lot of ways. And, And we go down there and see people who don't have hope and realize that together we have the same hope in Jesus Christ because we see these people who don't have hope, but yet hope in Jesus and still have joy. And we look back at our lives and say, I should have a lot more hope that I'm living with. And I think we get that it's the same hope. Whether you are perceived hopeless or whether you have what the world would say should all things that would give you hope, we realize the same hope is centered in Jesus. And it just opens our eyes in a much different way, in a much bigger way than the here and now uh, of, our, of our time, place, season, city. I believe that. And then last, a quote hit me yesterday a quote, I'm going to say this, and it's a pastor, I'm not going to name the pastor because, you know, it's just a pastor from Philadelphia, you wouldn't know his name, it's a great quote. He said, uh, he said we must be cautious that our middle class sensibilities do not blind us to our desperate and bankrupt spiritual condition. Jesus does not offer us a can do religion. Jesus offers hope to the desperate and the hopeless in need of divine mercy. I really like that a lot. We must caution ourselves not be blinded by middle class sensibilities. I consider myself kind of a, a middle class sensible guy, but that we are, or our spiritual condition is desperate and bankrupt. And Jesus offers hope, hope and mercy. Now, we're starting, this ties in, we're starting a new series, and it's simply called, How Do I Know God? How Do I Know God? Because when uh, the things in life hit us, whether it's confusion about where we are in life, you know, like call or career or marriage, marriage problems, or not married, um, or when the, the big things hit, physically, cancer, Or bankruptcy in a financial way? How do I know God? Now, the title, you could also use a play on words this. How do I know, comma, God, for all of us English majors there. It's like, how do I know God that I'm saved? How do I know God that you're at work right now? How do I know God that you'll bring good out of this? How do I know God? How do I know God? We're going to be in the book of Ephesians for the letter of Ephesians over the next six weeks, it's one of my favorite letters, books in the Bible. I do believe it gives the clearest depiction of what the church should be. The church. Uh, somebody said it this way. It's, it, I think it's a great saying. The church is us plus me. I love that. The church is us plus me. It's us together, but it's also about you, an individual. You saw Bev up here. It's about her life. It's about us together, but it's about you as well. The church is us plus me. You'll see this in Ephesians. Today, I want to talk about opening this is how does God work in our lives? Like how does God work in our lives, in uh, joys, in suffering, in like work, the day-to-day work, in marriage, uh, in uh, family life? How, How does God work in all that? So we're going to be in Ephesians, really verse 1 through 14. And I'm going to go slow, okay, because you get deep in Ephesians, especially Ephesians 1. I'm going to go slow. Uh, I want to start off just with the first two verses. Verse 1 and 2, follow me here. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How does God work in our lives? Listen, he works in great ways. Even if you don't realize it, even if you don't believe it, he works in great ways. Paul starts out here. He says, you know, I am Paul, I'm saved by Jesus, and I'm sent to you. Saints, always when you read in the Bible, saints means Christians. Doesn't mean, even though that's Jesus, you know, another church with a stained glass window, you know, the saints. Saints means believers, Christians. So Paul is saying, I'm sent I love you know. Paul opens his letters and he really gives clear depictions again of who the church should be. He's like, "Here I am, saved by Jesus, sent to go." That's the church. We gather to scatter, whether it is in three nine two one one or whether it's in the Metro Jackson or Honduras or India. We gather to scatter, and then we gather again. We are sent. A great picture of this happened Easter afternoon. I'm going to share this story. Um, it, it is connected to drama that's, you know, and you know, I'm not like an overly dramatic. I don't like drama, but it, it is what it is, okay? So here goes. Uh, most, I mean, you all should know, it's, it's been talked about or, you know, social media about enough. Halfway house, halfway houses down the street. So one is a couple houses down from my house. Okay. Now then, uh, my wife and I, to my wife's credit, she has forced me, not with this house, but like, it's like, love your neighbor. Your neighbors aren't just Honduras. Your neighbors aren't just, you know, I love Global Mission. Your neighbors are here, next door. So we give a lot of food away, uh, to my chagrin, sometimes, but we give food away. And um, so there's this halfway house, and we're going we're to love our neighbors. they are four houses down. Easter uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, we pack up a, a a bag of treats, sweets, Easter goodies. Uh, those of y'all who know me, uh, big sacrifice. Uh, I gave up a uh, a packet of my Cadbury cream eggs. Okay, uh, really, t- really tough. Like you know, I mean, you know, cakes and uh, we can give all that, but give a give your Cadbury eggs. I mean, no. It's like it's like come on. It's like I got three of them. It's like. You can't just give one. I mean, they've they got to last me all year. I mean, staff told me, like, you can buy them all year round. It's not the same. You know, you get them Easter. Easter said, not fresh. But anyway, so I threw a packet of those in there. And, um, and with some other neighbors, they threw in a cake. So me and, and the, uh, the husband, Dad, went and just wanted to bless them, you know, and say, you know, happy Easter. And they were blessed and, and it was good. And then we were back and me and the other husband had a conversation. Good, I know this is a cliche, but good Christian man, man of God. And he's like, You know, how do you, how do you think we should, you know, continue going about this deal? And I was like, Man, I'm, we're going to, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to love our neighbors, probably check in with them every now and then. Um, and we're going to invite them to church, just so you know. Invite them to church. And this is what struck me about the mission of the church. He said, Again, good Christian guy. And he said, Man, I'm so thankful that you're going to invite them to church because, you know, I really wanted, really wanted to invite them to, to my church. And he said, I love my church and everything, but, you know, um, I, I don't really think they'd be welcome there. And, you know, that's just, just the way it kind of is, unfortunately, some places. And I was very thankful about where God is leading us, because I knew, without even having to say it or, like, challenge you, or, I just see, I mean, I just could invite them to church. And they would be good. What God's doing amongst us, very, very thankful, Okay. Now, Paul continues, and he starts in verse 3, and he begins talking. This is where I say we get a little deep, talking about the Trinity, okay? Don't check out right now. Don't check out. Trinity, okay? Stay with me. That would be God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's important. It's important for me to say, because if you don't get the Trinity, you really don't get the church. Like, you don't get the church. You know, God didn't, a lot of folks, uh, non-believers, agnostics, I talked to, said, you know, Why Why'd God make us? Are you just like lonely up there, you know, and everything? No. He's God, Father, Son, Spirit. One essence, three people. So since the beginning of, you know, we don't even have words to describe the beginning, but there's been three. And he is trying to get us into that relationship. So this is where... the beloved. Now, read a couple verses there. Again, deep territory, but just a few words that I want to highlight. Chose us before the foundation of the world. In love, predestined us for adoption to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us. Here's the deal. Here's what that is saying it's saying God seeks us. See, there's an issue. We don't seek God. In our, we don't seek God in our nature. I, mean, I know you're like, well, I come to church. But no, I mean, our hearts, our hearts don't naturally seek God. So to get God, what, what has to happen? He's got to seek us. And that's what he does continually. So what he did in sending Jesus, what he does now by his spirit, he is seeking us. Why? So we can share in what He has, the the praise of His glorious grace. We can have the love and the joy of experiencing love for God, intimacy with God. You know, I I ask myself this over and over again. I would ask you, you know, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, by the way, you're a minister. I know you're like, "I, I wasn't called to form a minister. If you're a Christian, you're in ministry. And do we do ministry out of love for Jesus, that we love him over everything else? Do we do that? It's what God wants, love. Our joy, he gets the glory. Let me, use, uh, let me tell you a story about this, okay? Um, I was talking to a, a self-described agnostic who's come here a couple times, not now, this is about a year or two ago, and... Um, and he said, man, you know, I really uh, really kind of like the church, you know. You know I, I dig, you know, nice folks. You know, it's welcoming. You know, I mean, the message, you know, I, I get it. You know? I mean, you know, I'm tracking, okay. Um, you know, I like the communion time and kind of sit and think. I like that y'all want to serve the world. He's like, so here's what I don't really get, man. I don't get, he said this, he said, the song time. I don't get the song time, you know. You come in and it just seems kind of weird, you know, trying to like sing and, and like praise God. And, you know, I'm very thankful for uh, Chris, Tracy today, you know, getting us in the song time uh, to worship God. And some of you may be out there saying, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. And, you know, kind of, I don't know if I get that either. I mean, why, what's the point? Or, or some, some even don't get the point and they like the music. They're like, I love just coming in and listening to the music. The point is, is praising God. The point is, is knowing him, loving him. You're like, still, you know, I'd rather just, just give me some nice music. And I'll just, you know, kind of stand and listen. The point is, again, loving God because you know what he's done for you, that he has sought you. A guy named uh, John Piper uh, said it best this way, full joy in life is knowing and praising God. So this So Full joy in life is knowing and praising God. He gets the glory because you're praising him. You get the joy. And that's that's Christianity. That's the real deal. That's living out of love. God seeks. God seeks first. He sought us so much, he sent his son Jesus. Jesus saves. God seeks, Jesus saves. It's important for you to know. God seeks. Jesus saves. Continue in Ephesians. Pick up verse 7. Here's where Paul gets into Jesus. He says, In Him, that'd be Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, Things on earth. He's talking about Jesus and he's saying, Jesus saves. In him we have redemption. That very word, redemption, means to save. It literally means to buy back. So, like, because of Jesus, I was bought back. You were bought back. You were purchased. You're bought back. He saves. God seeks. Jesus came to save. You know, the thing about salvation, here's how you become a Christian. It's a lot like what happened to Paul. Paul was on his horse. Maybe it was a little horse, maybe it was just a high horse. And Jesus literally knocked him to the ground, the light of Christ. And he saw the glory of God, he saw Jesus, and his life was changed. By the way, that's how you become a Christian. Not maybe literally knocking off your horse, but God shows up. You see, God acts first. Jesus comes to you. And if you don't have that experience, and I'm not talking about getting knocked on your horse or getting it just drilled in your head, but if you don't see Him, I mean, I, I, I would legitimately, as, as pastor-preacher, question, I mean, your salvation. I mean, if, if you're going through, if you're going to church because it's something you're supposed to do, you know, it's like, hey, this is how I'm going to get a good person. If you haven't seen the glory of God and, and been changed, think about it. Seriously. Uh, I had lunch with uh, another man who had, uh, this week, he was... Uh, continued to go through a lot of sad times, he, he lost a son. And he said, and this, this man has ministered to me over and over again, he said, his grace is always there. His grace always shows up. And I, I just love that simple phrase. Going through suffering, he believed, his grace always shows up. Uh, I, I say that, you've you got to see Jesus, you've got to see his grace, because it's all about grace. It's all about grace. Uh, another famous preacher, prophet, named Bono. You tracking me there, Bono, you know? Okay, so he, uh, who is a Christian, preacher, prophet, uh, he said, you know, there's a big difference between karma and grace. Y'all heard of karma? Uh, it's not just like Hinduism. Uh, it, karma is kind of like secular life. Secular means just like the, the world we live in. Karma means you get what you deserve. So, you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. That's karma. Every religion except for Christianity, really based on karma. Christianity, you get what you don't deserve. And these were Bono's words. So, he said, You know, grace is so different from karma in that karma, you get what you deserve. Grace defies all logic and reason because you get what you don't deserve. And he said, Thank God, because I've done a lot of stupid things in my life. You know, amen. You know, preach, brother. We get grace. God is holy and good, we can't be in his presence. We deserve hell as sinners. Jesus stands in between as mediator. Jesus saves. It's, it, this is the gospel, that we don't deserve him. Jesus comes and he's saying, that's what Paul's talking about. He, he woke up to say, that's the quote I talked about at the beginning. Don't let our middle class sensibilities blind us to our desperation and our need for divine mercy. I mean, I've been blinded. I've been blinded. Now, what about free will? Let me get into that real quick. What about free will? Because you're like, man, I got free will. I mean, I can choose. Well, I have free will. And I will always choose sin. Trust me, I know. I have free will. I will always choose selfishness. I will always choose that. So somebody's will has got to be greater than mine for me to know Jesus. God's will is much greater than my will, so God steps in and seeks me out and saves me by Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example, okay? I'm a dad. My son, Ethan, Linda can say amen to this. He's our biggest jumper. I mean, he is a jumping machine. You know, I mean, beds, couches. He hasn't got yet, you know, the spring of cushions you know, can bounce you off onto the floor and, like, you know, break things in, in, your, in your body. So he'll climb up, you know, top of a couch, top bed, and he will, you know, go airborne. You know, full, full on. Land, again, hasn't gotten that he can bounce off. So, you know, and couches are pretty slim. You know, not a lot of room there. So stand up top of the couch, airborne, fall off. That's his will. That's what he wants to do. My will is stronger than Ethan's will right now. May not always be. Some of y'all can say a minute, but my will is stronger than Ethan's, okay? And so what I can do is I can either stop him, and I can stop him, or I can save him. And I can lay down on the couch and say, okay, buddy, you really want to do this? And I'll lay, and you just jump to me. And I can catch him now. Won't always be able to catch him. We have a Heavenly Father whose will is stronger than ours. Sometimes He stops us, sometimes He catches us. You got to get that. If you want to love God, if you want to worship like we want you to worship. You got to get that. You got to get that. Now, let me pick up verse 11, a couple more verses. But it says, "In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, there's that word again, interestingly enough, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will." Paul is going on and on here about saying you are chosen like before Go back to verse 4. Before the foundation of the world, you're chosen. You have an inheritance, having been predestined or chosen again. And, you know, I get asked that all the time. You know, predestination, you know, what's the deal, all this. Here's what I want you to think on, okay? Simplify it. Do you remember when you were not chosen in life? Do you remember when you were ordinary? I can list several times up here, okay? Uh, Number one, uh, you know, we had a dodgeball tournament. Hey, came in the final four praise God, a couple of weeks ago. I remember back in uh, in school at, you know, uh, New Albany Elementary, Maddie Thompson Gym, got some New Albany folks here that remember that, and we played dodgeball, and I remember, you know, I can be, remember being like, remember being the last pick? Anybody ever been the last pick? How that feels? Like last guy left, you're know, like, pick you, pick you, pick you, pick you. I was a baseball coach and at the draft. Thankfully, you know, the kids aren't there. You know, the draft, and you know, you got the last pick, and Well, you know. Um, Anybody remember the gifted program? Gifted programs? They don't really call it that anymore. remember how it felt to know hey, well, they got picked to be ungifted. And I didn't. Will that make me ungifted, you know? (laughs) You remember that? Uh, uh, Actually, I. Teach some high school seniors right now. They are just, all they're talking about is rush, rush, rush in college. Rush, rush, rush. And then they'll say, well, you know, that, that dude's going to get blackballed. Translation, you know, nobody's going to choose him or her. It's a real deal in these lives. And remember that. So you remember when you felt ordinary. All of us did. Here's the thing about that. One, we always overcompensate for it. They're like, well, if I wasn't chosen, then I'll be good here. So if I'm not gifted in smarts, then I will be a jock. Or if I'm not gifted in smarts or athletics, then I will be the partier, the most fun, most so... We will compensate somewhere else when we are not chosen. Secondly, the world we live in, the culture, media, advertising, all it's saying is you're special. You're special because there's something in us that wants to be chosen, that wants to be special, that wants to be selected. And that's all I advertise, like, yeah, you're, you're good, you're good. You can be beautiful. You can be this way. You can drive this car, even if you have no money. You can do it, you know, and we buy into it. The gospel is God picked you. God picked you. God picked you. You need to hear that. There's something in us, the gospel is. This is what Paul's talking about. He's like, God, and it wasn't like, hey, I need him or her on my team. It was out of love. Can you receive that? Can you receive that? There's beauty in that. There's beauty in that. Finish up real quick, for real. Uh, Verse 13, it says, When you heard the word of truth and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. First off, it does say believed, okay? Paul goes on, Ephesians 2, By grace you are saved through faith. He's like, well, you just said God picked me, and then it says believed. What is it? It's both. I don't really get that. You know, there's some tension there. You might say, "I'm gonna figure it out." Good luck. You know, it's both. God knew before you were born, before the creation. God says, "I have blankety blank life." You know, I'm gonna seek Him or Her, and we believe as well. It's both. It's both. But then Paul says, "You're sealed by the Holy Spirit." God seeks. Hear me. Jesus saves. The Holy Spirit seals. Let me say this again. If you remember nothing else, God seeks you. He seeks you so much, He sent Jesus to save you. And the Holy Spirit right now seals you, your salvation. How do I know God if I'm saved? The Holy Spirit seals you. You can know it in God's Word. It's His promise. You are sealed. It's like, He continues, says, He, Holy Spirit, is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of God. His glory. That literally means a down payment, a down payment on your life. The Holy Spirit is a down payment. Some of us, some of y'all, own a house. It's kind of like, do you own it? Well, yeah. Put down a down payment. Do you really own it? Well, kind of. The bank still sort of does. But right now we own it. We own it. The deal is, God has put down this down payment. Okay. We'll fully be His in heaven, or if He returns before then. He's given us a down payment that we can also taste heaven. We can have a taste of heaven right now. We'll know it fully. Our loved ones who go before, they, in Christ, they know it fully. We have a taste of it now. Sealed. A down payment. God's saying, you, you're mine. You're mine. And the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. So I'd close just with a couple questions. A couple questions, Okay. Do you live out of love or do you live out of longing? This is a legit question, just to use L's. Do you live out of love or do you live out of longing? Here's what I mean. Do you live out of love for Jesus Christ? That your, your life flows out of love for him? Or you do you live out of longing? Like, like I long for that social status or, or I long for that career. Or I long for that type of family. Or I long for that person. How do you live? Live out of love for Jesus or live out of longing for the things that you think will fill you? Do you live in assurance or do you live aspiring? Are you assured or do you aspire? Here's what I mean. Do you live, you're assured. You're you're like, you're sealed. You're assured. Or do you live aspiring for, I got to aspire to be good in God's God's eyes. I got to aspire to be good in other people's eyes. I got to aspire... Or are you assured there is a difference in how you live? Our practice does not affect our position in God's eyes. Our position should affect our practice, and often, me included, we'll say our practice. We'll say our practice, how we do, affects how we look in God. It's not the gospel. Our position is assured should affect our practice. And last question: It's simple. Are you alone? Are you alone? You're not. You're not. Can you receive? God is seeking, has sought you. Jesus saves you. Holy Spirit seals you. And the, the good news, some may think it's bad news. I used to. You're also not alone in that you have the church. You have the big church. We always tell our kids, you know, you got brothers and sisters around the world. And the little C church, church like this. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to walk alone. You got God, Father, Son, and Spirit. You got the church. We want you to have the church bellwether to be a family. That's good news. That's good news for us broken and hopeless people. And I always, I always say, you know, for folks that are looking for the perfect church, man, don't come here. You know, I mean, you'll mess up what we got going on, you know. I mean, a bunch of like jacked up, you know, messed up, you know. But we're not alone. We'll never be alone. God seeks, Jesus saves, Holy Spirit seals. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, the word that we cannot see, but you reveal to us in your word. I pray we would know how much you seek us, what you've done in Jesus to save us, and that you seal us by your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen.